Hey guys, and welcome to the Family Business Indaba podcast. We are the voice of African family business, promoting generational wealth and generational legacies. And my name is Susan Tendi. And I am Nika Amani. And we're going to be taking you through the journey of African family business. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to this session of the African Family Business Research Conference. And in this session, we have a presentation on South African wineries, a family business brand matrix perspective. And our presenters for this are going to be Professor Adele Berendt and Dr. Corney Majors. Thank you so much, ladies. All right. Thank you, everybody. And thank you, Titi, for, for the welcome. Um, I'm assuming that all is well. Let's just get it into presenter mode, if it will do that. Um, it doesn't want to do that for some other bizarre reason. Um, it is not... All right, well, I'll, 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 uh, let me just pop it on. All right. So we're going to talk a little bit about a brand, a family business brand matrix perspective that we have on our, um, on our research. And our agenda is to have a look at the, the, firstly, the, the reason for the research, um, specifically focusing on the websites. And we'll talk a little bit about the pre- problematization and then methodology. I'll hand over to Courtney for some of the preliminary findings. So we know that the wine industry is important in South Africa, and we know that it's ranked seventh on the international list of wine producers employing around 265,000 people and exporting, of course, getting export revenue. The issue is, of course, that increasingly wine sales are becoming more and more important, um, and they're becoming more and more competitive as other countries get involved in the, the, the industry and, of course, attracting consumers from around the world. And of course, that emphasizes the importance of marketing and branding strategies to these wineries. Now, family businesses, um, in terms of wineries, a lot of them are using websites and websites are a very important key to the, the branding strategies that they're using. So websites can convey things like family heritage. It can convey the family nature of the business. It can promote identity and values. And what was also interesting to note is that it's a major source of sales. So the website can be a place where we can log in and we can go in and we, a, a person can place an order for a particular uh, uh, wine or brand. Now, what we did was we've used the, the brand, the, the family business brand identity portrayal and reputation matrix in this particular study. Now, this study is ba- this, this matrix is based on two major ba- ideas. Firstly, the corporate identity and reputation matrix, which was proposed by Urda, but including, it includes both the family identity as well as the reputational aspect. Now, as we see in the middle, the identity consists of nine major aspects, three internal aspects, which are in the bottom of the, the, the diagram. So the mission and vision, the culture and the competencies, 
There are three external, the family promise, the relationships and positioning, and then the middle, which is the expression, the identity and the personality. And those operate on the border. Outside of that, you'll see the reputation aspects. So there are eight of those. So issues like trustworthiness, differentiation, and that is the theoretical lens that we intend to use in the study. So the the question is, but why do the study? Well, we know that family businesses dominate the business landscape. We know that. Yet, in the context of family businesses, there's a couple of really important questions in the area of branding and in communication. And that has to do with what is communicated, so the content of, of brand communication, and then the platforms that are used. So while we traditionally use um, you know, normal media, um, the expansion into digital and new media um, is also included in understanding these, the suitability of these platforms. So thus, we define our purpose as exploring the brand identity of South African family wineries as communicated on their websites. And so we have then the question is what elements in the matrix do we see? So from a methodological perspective, um, we're using qualitative methods because we're following an exploratory study. Um, according to Wine Searcher 2021, there are 1,048 wine producers. I then went on and we went and had a look and found 125 that clearly identify family ownership. And you can see on the right-hand side of the slide, um, the example. So we went through all of the wine estates, identified the, the fact that it said has a family um, and then we took that into an Excel spreadsheet and you can see a, a screenshot of our Excel spreadsheet there. So we have the name of the business, where it's located, who are the owners, when was it established um, and numerous other detail. We then went to um, to, ex to the to the website and collected certain data. We uh, um, downloaded the about us, the story, the who we are and the sections of each of those. So I'm going to hand over to Courtney to continue with our discussion. Thank you very much, Adele. I, I'm not sure if you can all hear me and see me. There we go. All right. Um, thank you so much for that, Adele, and for that introduction. Um, so from a data analysis perspective, we looked at using a combination of quantitative and qualitative content analysis. And we focused specifically on the language characteristics. So we looked for particular words in the data that we extracted from the websites. So um, we used this content analysis to code the data, but we used a, a directed approach. So what this means is we, we really looked at um, the this, this theoretical lens that I'll present to you, the structure as a framework to identify these concepts on the websites that we analyzed. So before we went into the content analysis, we initially made use of the autocoding feature in Invivo to look for some um, word frequencies and uh, family-related words on the websites. So that was quite interesting just to get a sense of to what extent is this actually um, prevalent on the websites that we are looking at. From there, we then did open coding to analyze the raw data, and we then formed categories. Um, and we're going to share some of um, the insights that we gained um, in a moment. You can go to the next slide, Adele. Um, so on this slide, we are um, 
going to present to you very preliminary findings. So this is a work in progress um, that we are sharing with you. So we are not completely done with the analysis, but we wanted to share this in the meantime because we thought it was actually quite insightful. Um, so what we could establish was that a total of 42 wineries indicated their family nature by including the word family in the winery name. Now, this was not always carried over into the website address. Um, so some of them would highlight the word family in their name, or they would highlight it into their brand story, which was, of course, also corroborated um, with some of the literature. We also found um, a reference to this idea of familiness um, on the people's pages. And here there was quite an interesting discussion about the contribution of a range of people to these family businesses, including employees. And in many instances, these employees was actually pulled into the business and seen as part of the family. From there on, we also found that there was quite an emphasis on the place where the wine um, farm was, was established. And there was a link also to the commitment to certain products. Now, you know, thinking about this, an explanation could possibly be that some of the grapes that is grown um, in South Africa on these farms, you know, certain grapes grow better in certain parts. And that has a direct correlation with the products that's actually being produced. So I, I think it made sense that the place and the products would have some emphasis um, on the websites. Also interesting, uh, and perhaps not in, in these days in, in the pandemic, but certainly for these wine farms, there was a widespread use of online stores. Now, it's not clear whether these were there from the inception of the wine farm or whether it was in response to uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. Our sense is that it was probably in response to um, the pandemic because, you know, in South Africa, as, as, as those of us who live in South Africa know, uh, there was, with lockdown, you couldn't buy alcohol. And in this way, the wineries could actually look towards their sustainability. Talking about sustainability, this was a very big feature on the website, specifically environmental sustainability, but a little bit more about that on the next slide. And then uh, finally, 67 um, of the wineries indicated that they were established after 1990. Now, we found this quite interesting because if you think about a family business and a family legacy, you would expect these wineries to be a little bit older. But interestingly, um, quite a few of them are actually quite young. Right. So then what we, we try to do is just show you on the side here um, a, a word cloud, one of the word clouds we did, just to give you a sense of the words that's being used on these websites and the prevalence of specifically family um, in them. But what we also try to do is then use our theoretical lens, use the family business brand matrix and see to what extent are some of the things that these family businesses are talking about, family wineries are talking about, whether those things are actually evident from the website. So if we look at the center where identity sits and, and all of these other components feed into that, again, you know, we can reiterate that family is certainly mentioned um, and, and there is a mention made of family history in that. So they do um, try to use the legacy of the family as part of promoting the winery. Um, so I want us to look on um, the, the um, well, it's my right-hand side, um, differentiation here, where we see they talk about, um, you know, ancient wine culture that's being used, 
the Africanness of the wineries, the quality world class and, and their produce being flagship produce. Um, now, we do know that that South African wines is quite acclaimed across the world, but certainly these wine farmers are also um, trying to differentiate themselves in that area um, and also claiming this um, world-classness uh, on their websites. And that links perhaps to their credibility around their identity, saying that they are award-winning, although conventional, and they, they're very much innovation-driven. And I think that innovation is perhaps linked to this push to be more sustainable because they talk about biodynamic and carbon neutral processes that they use to actually make their wines that's certainly in more environmentally friendly. Um, that also links to their performance. And here there's quite a bit of emphasis on the idea of the produce being handmade, being local, and then, of course, these biological processes being carbon neutral and so on. So there, there seems to be quite an emphasis on their dedication and the fact that what they're doing is organic, um, again, talking to sustainability. So there seems to be this very strong theme of sustainability um, coming through. What was interesting is that only six of these wineries had an actual mission and vision statement on their websites. Um, they talk about a lot of passion and things coming through, which is, is typical for a, a family business, um, certainly also in, in wineries, but very few actually have this established mission and vision. Oh, they might have it, but they certainly don't portray it on, onto their websites. Um, so the last thing here is just, again, the emphasis on workers. So when you look at you know, the stakeholders that they would talk to on their websites, it was quite interesting that the only mention really was made of, of workers in particular. And that could perhaps perhaps be explained by in the last couple of years, we, we know that there was, um, you know, some, you know, controversy around um, farm workers and how they're being treated and, and those kind of things. So, so there could be a correlation there, but of course that needs to be explored further. And sorry, one more point on, on this slide. Sorry, um, is, you know, whether their communication is sort of uh, recognizable, visible and consistent across their communication platforms. Now, of course, this is not something we've looked at yet, but certainly something that we will look at and, and see, you know, whether what is on the website can also, you know, overflow into their perhaps specifically social media platforms. All right, now you can go to the next slide. Thanks, Adele. So we believe the contribution of what we're busy with here is twofold. First of all, theoretically, um, we, we believe that this paper responds to a call by Astrakhan et al. to really look at suitable channels for these wineries to portray their family business brand, as well as the call of Kanziani um, to explore storytelling in um in a non-US context. So, so more look at an African context, a South African context, um, certainly that would be very interesting. We also think that the focus really here is on the center. So uh, on the center, sorry. Um, so those are the entrepreneurs, the, the family wineries, the owners, their perspective um, to enhance the understanding of family heritage and how that could perhaps be better communicated to even enhance um, what they're currently doing as family wineries. Practically, we think that it provides some detail on how family wineries use their websites to market their wines, 
to, um, also not just the wines, but also a wide range of things that they are doing to attract people to the farms, wine tastings, restaurants, picnics, estate tours, and in some cases, even accommodation. Um, we also think that this can suggest some further ways for these wineries to embed family heritage into their branding and marketing, seeing that a lot of them are actually quite young. Um, certainly, uh, that that could be one of the things that they can do um, to further build their brands. Right. Thanks, Adele. Next slide. So in conclusion, we found that family-owned wineries use their family connection on their website to communicate the family nature of um, their business, but they're not using the full scope of the family business um, brand matrix uh, to harness the potential of, of their family brands. Thank you very much for your time. Any questions? Thank you so much for such an insightful presentation. And also, I think it ties into some of the sessions we've had at the beginning of the conference when we're talking about innovation with family businesses, as well as harnessing digital and making it work for family businesses. I think the first question that um, we have is, what do you think families, especially in, in, in the wine industry, can do better or try to engage to increase their digital footprint and visibility and engagement? I think there's a, a couple of things one's got to think about. And, and that is, we, we were struck by the fact that they're all on Facebook. So we, in our Excel spreadsheet, we ha- we listed all the social media. So there were some that were on LinkedIn, which I thought was quite interesting. Some were on TripAdvisor, which makes a lot of sense in the light of, of that. And I think that that's where we're going to go with looking at the consistency of the message. Um, I, in a lot of cases, the websites were not so easy to navigate. Uh, I didn't find them. Some of them were very, very rudimentary. In, in how they were put together. They were very, very simple. Of course, some of the family businesses are more sophisticated, those that have been around longer using experts. And that was my observation. Um, so, the, the, you know, the, the one pager, that's it. <laughs> I don't remember which one it was, though, after all this. No, don't mention it. <laughs> so I also think perhaps in response to that, um, I think these businesses would really benefit from Um, you know, having someone uh, compile a thorough digital channel strategy for them to really, you know, where, where's their audience? Who, who is it that they want to talk to? Number one, what is it that from talking to these um, stakeholders uh, so that it's not a shotgun approach of just, you know, let's just be on all the platforms and, you know, hopefully it reaches someone, but be very strategic about it. So developing such a strategic um, channel strategy digitally, I think would really benefit them a lot. And I think, you know, what would also help is perhaps making sure that they're not that I think that there was something wrong necessarily with it, but um, their supply chain is, is perhaps also recognized in terms of getting their product out once an order is made and how quick that is and, and making that process quite easy. So making it very, very accessible and even mm-hmm. things like digital tours, um, mm-hmm. you know, Digital like tour that. of the of the of the production mm-hmm. process. Exactly. Yeah. You know, sort of, there was not a lot of opportunity for the for you as the website attendee to engage with them past the buyer buy our ones. Yeah. Yeah. No. I, I completely <laughs> and we do, understand. Can that. I say? Can I just say we do joke? Coordinate does the practical part of this paper. I do the theoretical part. <laughs> I do the wine tasting. She so does the tasting. I, I do the wine. <laughs> 
No, I think you, you've brought to light um, quite a number of significant issues because uh, one of the things that I've seen with businesses in Africa especially is that we've ignored the internet and um, those that have engaged, the, the, they have you have some sophisticated engagement and then you have some rudimentary engagement, like you said, where I've put up my website so people must come. I opened my shop, people must come. And um, so that engagement of who are the people, are they really interested? What are they clicking on? What more context can I provide? Can they connect with us? is not happening and it's not only translating in in the wine business but across a quite a number of business so as african family businesses we're leaving money on the table because people are not really engaging us i have a question here from almarie and she's asking we hear more and more about the heterogeneity of family businesses does the industry and the size also have influence on the branding um what struck me when I was reading through them is the number of small families. So it's, um, so there's, so there's not a, so a lot of them have on young, young generations. So that's that 1990 people who started in 2004. In fact, we had three categories and then we had to merge them into two because the, the bit in the 1990s to the 2000s was quite small, but then we had a lot from uh, after 2000. So a lot of young families who kind of, opted out of and, and decided to go and take over or who had studied viticulture and then started and took over. Um, so the heterogeneity, I, I didn't see a lot in terms of, for me, it was a lot of, of the same. I saw a lot of very similar families, uh, husbands, wives, that was quite pr- predominant. Um, and a lot of um, brothers, sisters and, and those kind of families, but no, not a lot past that. Can I quickly make a comment, um, Titi? Um, yes, please. Shelly and I was also involved with uh, the Dutch family business unit in a, in a, with our master's students many years back on branding. And what was quite interesting is there was quite a difference in whether it's branding from the wine industry or farms and whether you're an accounting firm, for example. So, um, yeah. I think it the heterogeneity might be maybe less in in wine farms um, because I think branding it as a family business may be very good, but the moment that you go to lawyers or yeah. accountants, it seems maybe it's not. not such a good idea. So mm. that is something that I think somebody should explore even further. That was mm. me a very interesting thing. Mm. Yes. And just before we wrap up, um, is there any closing remarks that you would like to make, ladies? We need to do some more work still. So thank you for being patient with our uh, our research in progress. No, thank you so much for offering us um, an insightful research paper. And so I'm going to invite everybody to join us for our next session, which starts in the next five minutes at half past 11. And I'd just like to thank you, ladies, for um, an incredible presentation and uh, looking forward to you joining us for the rest of the conference.